Hello, fellow Kentuckians and other friends, and welcome to a new edition of my old Kentucky podcast. My name is Robert Connie, and joining me this week is nobody. It's me by myself. The veto period is over. The legislature is in session for two final days where they are going to be overriding most of Governor Bashir's vetoes, if not all of them. And we had a guest lined up today, but they're actually a member of the General Assembly, and they told us, hey, uh, actually, that date's not going to work because uh, that is the last two days of session. So we rescheduled with that person. And Jasmine's also out with uh, a work-related situation. She just changed jobs, which you might have picked up on in the last show. So we miss her. But yeah, she has some orientation-type stuff that needs to happen. And so she's gone, too. So I am here by myself today to talk to you mostly, almost entirely, about Governor Bashir's vetoes. The way that the legislature works is that, you know, they spend 58, 57 legislative days passing bills passing things in law which then go to the governor's desk which he then can sign or veto and because governor bashir is a democrat and the legislature is controlled by supermajority republicans he vetoes all of the stuff that democrats think is bad and so uh if you're a democrat the last two days of the legislative session are especially brutal because it is basically just like overriding all of the vetoes of all of the very worst things that happened during the legislative session so that's what's going on right now uh they are the legislature is hard at work overriding a lot of these vetoes i'm not really going to get into yet uh you know all the all the vetoes that got overridden i'm just gonna i'm gonna assume they're all gonna be overridden eventually and if they don't override some of them we'll tell you about them next week so i'm actually mostly just going to go through the list of the 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 bills that the governor Bashir vetoed there's a bunch of them and then uh yeah we can just assume that they're all eventually going to become law but this is a nice list of kind of the the, the greatest hits, the, the worst of the worst from the legislative session. So uh, without any further ado, let's talk about these vetoes. So we're not going to talk about the vetoes that we talked about last week. So Jasmine uh, had gotten started with some of that talk last week. So, you know, go back and listen to her segment from last week to hear about, you know, I think it was like a couple of the resol- resolutions, you know, the, the redistricting stuff, some of the stuff that happened earlier in the session and some early vetoes, mostly about gubernatorial powers that the governor had already issued uh he has issued a lot more and they are back in session today um to stop these or to to override all of these vetoes so the first one i want to talk about is hb3 that is the omnibus abortion bill we've talked about that at length over the past several weeks over the past you know months of the session it's something we've talked about quite a bit the uh, we even talked about it during the interim um, but it will mostly put a lot of restrictions on um, medication related abortion and also make abortion illegal after 16 weeks so there's a lot more details about that uh, it does not comport with roe v wade so while roe v wade is the law of the land which it is now uh this this bill this bill will, will, will not go into effect but of course roe v wade's days are likely numbered so that's hb3 hb7 we really didn't talk enough about hb7 this session it's it's a really bad bill it makes it basically makes receiving food aid in kentucky a lot more difficult there's a lot of additional paperwork to complete it re- reduces the flexibility of the state to waive some requirements during really bad circumstances like you know maybe a pandemic or if there's a, a tornado or something like that. So it reduces the state's flexibility. SNAP, which is food aid, is mostly federal. Anyway, so it isn't like this is going to save Kentuckians a lot of money in taxes. It's mostly just taking food out of hungry people's mouths. So Governor Bashir vetoed it. And it's highly likely that the veto will be overridden either today or tomorrow. 
HB8, that is the new tax structure bill. We talked about this one quite a bit. Uh, it would severely restrict Kentucky's tax base in the future by re restricting the income tax to a lower percentage. Uh, broadens the, the, you know, they tried to broaden the base with uh, more sales taxes, but of course those aren't going to have that big of an impact. HB9, the charter school bill. We've talked at length about that. You can also listen to our interview with Tina Bojanowski um, where she laid out all the problems with it, but that is something that Governor Bashir vetoed, and it was a one vote margin when it was originally passed. And I think they, they got 52 votes when the veto was overridden in the house. I'm not sure if the Senate's gotten to it yet. This was probably the one that was the closest to being, uh, you know, the override would have failed uh, and it did not. It got 52 votes. HB 248, this bill prohibits the use of public money for the use of constitutional challenges to laws passed by the legislature, except for the attorney general. So right now, Governor Bashir and Lieutenant Governor Coleman are the only Democrats elected to the executive branch, and their office has funded several challenges to Kentucky's bad laws passed in the recent past, and this bill would prohibit that. So, like, for example, HB3, like I mentioned, does not comport with Roe v. Wade. The governor could have, uh, you know, issued a challenge to that law, a constitutional challenge, using government money. That's something that has happened throughout the history of Kentucky. This law makes it so that you cannot do that unless you are the attorney general. So... Mostly, it just like a, has been a theme in many of the previous bills that have been vetoed, uh, it takes power away from the governor. So there you go. That's what's going on there. HB 271. This bill has to do with the Fair Council, which helps counties in the state put on agriculture fairs. You know, county fairs, state fair, that sort of stuff. The bill shifts power out of the office of the governor and towards the commissioner of agriculture. That's been a very common theme in a lot of the bills. Again, just shifting power away from the governor towards the commissioner of agriculture. And this bill was vetoed by Governor Bashir. HB 297. This bill allows for the Kentucky Public Pensions Authority to hire unclassified workers that are outside of Kentucky retirement systems. This also excludes them from salary limitations. Uh, there's like, you know, a limit on the upper tier of your salary if you're an unclassified worker and the governor vetoed it because you know he said it did not represent sound financial management um, you might remember the office of technology in the bevan administration i actually don't remember this guy's name but he was making a lot more money that was something that he's like the highest paid you know it director of any state in the whole country and that was because he was an unclassified worker so that's kind of what's going on with this public pensions authority situation HB 314, uh, the war on Louisville bill. It allows for small cities to come into existence without the approval of Metro Council and also restricts the mayor to two terms. Completely unnecessary bill, but the legislature decided to just mess with Louisville a little bit more. I guess Jason Nemus wants there to be more small cities in the South End or whatever. Uh, it potentially puts a lot of federal money uh, at stake that Louisville would not be qualified for if this passes, so hopefully that doesn't, doesn't happen. But uh, yeah, that's HB 314. It was vetoed, likely to be overridden today or tomorrow. HB 334. This bill changes the way the Executive Branch Ethics Commission members are selected. Currently, the governor nominates all the people on the board, and this bill reduces that number uh, to two out of seven. So it takes away five nominations from the governor, and it gives nominations to the other executive branch officers. Again, shifting power away from the governor's office and to the other you know, constitutional offices which are currently occupied by Republicans. So there you go. That is what this bill does. It was vetoed by Governor Bashir for the same reason as a lot of these other bills that take power away from the governor. 
HB 390. This bill adds the Agriculture Commissioner to the Kentucky Economic Development Partnership. Governor Bashir's veto message is very specific in calling out a development that did not occur in Christian County in Western Kentucky as the major reason for his veto. Uh, before getting into the details, the veto message says that part of the bill stems from quote, false information provided to legislators, unquote. So yeah, um, the Agriculture Commissioner and the Kentucky Economic Development Partnership, not really a natural fit, I don't think. Not like the fair board where you could probably make an argument that like, hey, the Commissioner of Agriculture, since these are agriculture fairs or whatever, like that's something that you could say. Yeah, the Kentucky Economic Development Partnership, maybe not a natural fit, but this uh, development in Christian County was agriculture in, in nature. I think it was like a, maybe like a, a, like a, a pig processing plant or something like that. Anyways, uh, you should read this veto message if you want to. Um, they're all on the uh, LRC's, the legislature's website. Um, and there are a lot of details about what's going on out there in Christian County with this, uh, this project. So that's HB 390. HB 594. The summary of this bill just says that it, quote, provides gender neutral language, unquote. But that bill was, of course, just a shell. Eventually, it became a bill which required regulators to provide fiscal impact reporting to regulated entities without with any promulgated regulation. So, you know, if an agency promulgates regulations that, you know, regulate, which is their job, they would have to issue fiscal impact reporting. The governor pointed out that there's no similar requirements for bills passed by the legislature. You know, they passed a lot of bills this time that didn't have fiscal impact reporting. Um, you know, the cuts to social services, uh, the, the I think the tax one actually did have some fiscal impact reporting, uh, but there's no requirement that the legislature do this. And those are typically much larger impact things than, than promulgated regulations. Uh, so that's why the governor vetoed it. HB 690. This bill was passed without any opposition, and it seemed pretty innocuous. It tinkered with the membership of the Judicial Council, which is, you know, something having to do with the courts. Jasmine would be able to tell us more. Uh, but it really didn't do much else. Uh, but right before it was passed, which is right at the end of the session, a Florida amendment was tacked onto the bill by Johnny Turner, a uh, senator from Eastern Kentucky, that allowed for any attorney to carry a concealed weapon in court. Senator Turner was not very forthcoming about this floor amendment while the bill was being rushed through. And you know how these things go where it's like, oh, uh, this floor amendment is being added. And they're like, do you have a copy of it? And they're like, nah, not really. You can come read this one, I guess. Uh, it's not like they distribute the paper. It's not usually on online at this time. And so they're just like, uh, okay. Uh, and they voted for it. And it did this thing that allowed any lawyer to carry concealed weapon in court. So uh, several law enforcement groups, several legal groups issued opposition to it. But the yeah, there was a lot of groups that, that were very, very opposed to this. So the governor vetoed it. This is one that also may, may get some changes. Obviously, you can't, you know, change a bill uh, after it's uh, after it's passed. If you're trying to override the veto, you can't issue an amendment. But it might be something that they can like tinker with or add it to like a free conference. And we'll get into that, how that kind of legislating might happen in a, in a minute when we get to the Senate bills. HB 740. This bill reduces campaign finance reporting requirements, only requiring annual reports instead of quarterly reports for many offices and also removing the need for donors to list their spouse and their spouse's occupations from donations uh, over $100. So, you know, the, the, if you've ever given uh, a campaign donation to somebody in Kentucky. There are a lot of like interesting questions they ask you, like who, what's your spouse's name and how, what, what's their occupation, which uh, for me uh, has always been kind of weird. Uh, like, 
why do they care what Kelsey does for a living? But, uh, you know, I guess if you're giving the maximum and then your spouse is also giving the maximum, it's a way to be like, okay, well, this couple, uh, because they share finances, was able to give basically double. And, it, you know, it, it makes that more transparent. Um, and, and that's something that's good to know. And this bill would basically remove that requirement. And also, you know, quarterly requirements for reporting on fundraising are good to know because that means at least one typically happens during the legislative session so we can see who's giving the legislators money as they're raising funds and if there's annual reporting we of course wouldn't know until long after the the long after the legislative session was over so you know reduces a lot of transparency stuff and that's bad so the governor vetoed it it's i think already overridden though HB 773, the last House bill that got vetoed. This bill removes the governor from appointing any members of the prosecutor's advisory council. So the governor vetoed it. Okay, so on the Senate side, there's fewer, but there's still a good number of bills. So SB 1, that's you know significant changes to SBDMs, and it also included that CRT bill that kind of got shoved in there. I think it was SB 136. It was the, I, I started calling it the Ronald Reagan required bill uh, where, you know, they're, they're required, teachers are required to teach the speech by Ronald Reagan, <laughs> uh, among many other speeches as well. But Ronald Reagan's kind of an odd choice. Anyways, we knew that this one was going to get vetoed, but uh, there was a little bit of an interesting drama that happened today, the first day of the, the override period. Bridget Bloom, who's a leader of the Pritchard Committee, that's an education group highly respected on both sides of the aisle. They do really good work, and you know they're highly regarded by just about everybody in the government. She, Bridget Bloom, came out with a statement saying that you know uh, there are criminal penalties that are part of SB one for teachers who do not adhere to the law, and she asked lawmakers to take that out. She said it was likely an oversight, something that they didn't add on purpose. And then Max Wise, Senator Max Wise, who's the chair of the Education Committee and one of the people behind the bill, said they had language to fix it. So like I already mentioned, you can't amend a bill that is passed already that's been vetoed. You can't like get the bill back after it's been vetoed and change it and then send it back. So what is going to end up happening, I think, is that they're going to override the veto for SB1. So that bill will go into law, and then they'll have some language that's attached to a different bill um, that will make changes to the criminal penalties in SB1. So that bill will pass, and that also removes the ability of Governor Bashir to basically veto the whole situation, because SB1 will then be law with an overridden veto, and then the language to fix SB1 will be in a different bill. And if the governor vetoed that bill, Basically, what would happen is that the criminal penalties would just go back into SB1 and be law. So seems likely that Republicans are going to get what they want in this, but they are going to have to make a small change to SB1 through a different bill. So, um, you know, I don't know. Uh, they rush things through at the last second. They make a lot of changes like this. Mistakes like this happen. Thank goodness we were able to catch it. But as is usually the case, Sometimes we don't know what's been passed until long after it's been passed because that's when we get a chance to read it. So that's SB1. SB65, this bill nullifies a few regulations promulgated by Governor Bashir, which were intended to speed up paying injured workers and allowing districts flexibility in paying workers who had to quarantine for COVID-19. So this bill actually removes a lot of those kind of you know, flexibility changes, and the governor vetoed it because he thought those were good. SB83, um, this is another big one. This is the trans athlete ban. 
The governor's veto message cites KHSAA, saying their rules approach the issue with nuance and takes into account a lot of voices, while the General Assembly makes a really broad-based ruling. You know, and he didn't say it, but I, I will, to score political points. That's the point of it. Uh, governor Bashir also cited the GOP governors of Indiana and Utah, who vetoed similar legislation this year for economic development purposes. This bill has already been overridden in the, in the Senate. I'm sure it will be in the House you, probably by the end of the day. But uh, Senator Karen Burke, who's been a real hero this session on a lot of issues, but on the trans issue, the trans issues, uh, you know, one of the biggest ones are because of her trans son, who uh, she's spoken about openly on the floor. She talked about the Trevor Project. She talked about a lot of important things related to trans people. And, you know, it's a real shame, but it looks like that this is what's what's going to happen. There's also a swimmer from the University of Kentucky who is there in support of the bill. Um, I think she's upset because she had to hold a trophy weird when she was when she tied a, a trans athlete for like fifth place in a meet. Uh, and I guess they gave the trans athlete like the fifth place trophy and they gave her a different fifth place trophy, but they let the trans athlete like stand in the fifth place spot. I, and I don't know. It's, it's very strange how her reasoning for, for being really upset about this, but she was, and she was there to support the bill as well. Okay, SB 167. This is a very strange library bill, which allows for county governments to be injected into the management of public libraries. Most of the time, and in almost every issue, libraries have been responsive to voters directly. So the Herald-Leader has some really good reporting about this issue regarding the University of Pikeville and the Pike County Public Library, uh, which kind of like leads to why I think Senator... Philip Wheeler, who's the senator from Pikeville, who is the main guy uh, supporting this bill, kind of gets into uh, the, the University of Pikeville and the Pike County Public Library spat where, like, I think the university wanted to acquire the library and the library didn't want to sell and the county government's, like, trying to force them to, but they can't because they don't have their hand in library business. And I think this bill, like, gives county governments a lot more power over county library boards so that's i think what's going on here uh, but you should definitely check out that report in the herald leader to get more details than that sb 207 this bill creates a new body the kentucky education and workforce collaborative the governor says this body is redundant to a different group that he created last year which has the same name of course, putting it in statute makes it a little bit more permanent, but Governor Bashir said the statute, as it's written, excludes stakeholders that he included in his creation of the group, and therefore he is vetoing it. And he also says then there might be some federal laws that the bill runs afoul of. SB 216. This is one of the election security bills. Uh, it removes credit and debit cards as a form of ID, and that seems like it would reduce access to the ballot. That seems bad to me, uh, and the governor vetoed it. SB 217, this is a bill that concentrates a lot of power into the hands of the commissioner of the Department of Fish and Wildlife. The Department of Fish and Wildlife has been involved in a really dramatic story. Uh, that's something we've talked about for a few years. The governor's been trying to replace the commissioner. The legislature and other constitutional officers that are Republicans uh, have been trying to prevent him from doing that. Uh, governor Bashir's veto message runs to three pages for this one, which is really long for, <laughs> for one of those veto messages. Uh, so there's, you know, of course, a lot of drama that's going on there. And that's why the governor vetoed SB 217. And then lastly... 
there were 22 lines in the budget that the governor vetoed. So the governor of Kentucky has the ability to line out and veto elements of the budget, and the governor used that power to veto 22 items. I think the biggest one in here was increased pay for legislators. There were also like a few regional projects and several items that the governor said, uh, you know, didn't work with the civil procurement code. But during those vetoes, the governor also reiterated his disappointment that the budget didn't include teacher pay increases or universal pre-K, which were included in his budget. So, all right. Well, those were all of the governor's vetoes. There were quite a few. As you can see, they kind of touched a lot of different issues. And yeah, that that's what's going on today and tomorrow. It's likely that the legislature will override every single one of these vetoes. If they leave one out or make some changes, we will let you know next week. Um, but but yeah, I just had one additional quick hit, and that's that Envision, which is a Japanese battery company, announced a $2 billion investment into a plant in Warren County down there in Bowling Green, which hopes to create 2,000 new jobs. The governor announced the project at a press conference this morning. Today is April the 13th. It would be one of the top 10 largest economic development projects in Kentucky. And yeah, not even the biggest one this year. Uh, and, you know, some really big ones have involved car batteries, uh, which are going to likely be a huge industry in, in, the, in the near future because of the importance of, you know, electric cars and, and kind of the shifting marketplace there. So big time for Kentucky. Really glad to see that announcement. And yeah, really seems like a really good thing for the folks down there in Warren County. So that was just one quick hit we wanted to talk about as well. All right, that's it for us this week. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook at MyOldKYPod. You can follow us on Instagram, too. You can you know, listen to our podcast on the podcasting app of your choice. Um, you can support us on Patreon for a dollar a day or more, a dollar, you know, a dollar a month or more. You know, that's great. It's a great way to support us. And we have a newsletter that you can subscribe to at, or at tinyletter.com slash MyOldKYPod. We are part of the Dimcast Network. I think I got all of it. Uh, But yeah, thank you guys, everybody, for listening. And we will see you next week.